All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Barbie's in trouble. Barbie's in trouble. What's what's Barbie done? Uh, A professor of surgery at Harvard Medical School is not happy with her because Barbie's science and medical dolls don't wear... The right personal protective equipment, PPE. Come on. Yeah, yeah. This outrage is outrage as well because it has been published in the British Medical Journal. Granted, this is the British Medical Journal's Christmas issue, uh, so it's a little bit more lighthearted, but nonetheless, it's been published. The surgery professor analysed 92 medical career Barbies, so things like Dr Barbie, Scientist Barbie, Nurse Barbie, uh, Paramedic Barbie, you get the the gist. None of Mm, them, mm. none of them had disposable gloves. Only 4% had face masks. More than two-thirds had inappropriately contained their hair, a.k.a. it was loose. Oh, that is bad. this is the clangor. More than half were wearing high heels when, quote, even in settings where this would be discouraged or actively prohibited for safety reasons. I just don't really think that's fair because her feet are at an angle. Like they don't, her heels never touch the ground, the poor thing. Yeah. She has no choice but to wear high heels, even in a medical setting. Barbie has been put on notice from those in the medical setting in reality. Barbie, you've got summer break to think about what you should and shouldn't be wearing in medical settings and we expect better things from you in 2024. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Also, fix your feet, Barbie. That'll be the... Fix your feet. Tie your hair up if you're doing surgery, Barbie. That's dangerous. Wear a mask, Barbie. Pull it together. (laughs) Anyway, kia ora. This is Newsable. I'm Tess. And I'm Imogen and this is what's worth talking about. It went from being the mini budget to the mini, mini budget to the mini, mini, mini budget. So what could be in today's fiscal scene setter? And enough of our own hot takes, we're getting some actual advice on what to do with those Christmas Day leftovers. Then we're finding out the most common Christmas insurance claims. And what you should know before you pick up that chocolate bar at the supermarket till. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. It should be winding down time for MPs in the run-up to Christmas, but with the new parliament opening just a couple of weeks ago, everything is still full steam ahead. The government is delivering its promised mini-budget, or mini-mini-budget, or mini-mini-mini-budget, as we're now told, after much gnashing of the teeth in the past week over how bad the books are. But the Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, won't even be there for the presentation by his Finance Minister, Nicola Willis. He's going to be in Aussie, catching up with his counterpart across the Tasman, so here to talk all things politics, maybe even for one last time this year, is Stuff's political editor Luke Malpass. Kia ora. Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora. What do we think might be included in this mini, mini, mini budget? Any suggestions about general direction and how many are we talking? Uh, I think we're talking nano. In fact, I think probably the term uh, budget perhaps is slightly misleading. Well, not misleading. I think what it'll probably end up being, usually at this time of year you have a budget policy statement, which is basically where the government lays out and says, here are the guiding sort of uh, principles that we will be think- and things we'll be thinking about for next year's budget, including what the operating allowance is, which is basically the new spending. So I think essentially the mini budget will probably include that I think politically its purpose will be to prepare people for the more 
tightened um, mm. environment that we're going to be in. And basically, I think it's going to be a long setting of the scene until the May budget when the rubber really meets the road. And as well, I think they'll have found some preliminary savings, which will help at least pay for some of the tax cut uh, package when that comes through next year. And of course, there wouldn't be much time between now and the House rising to do anything about these budget announcements. No, no, no. It'll be a, a bigger version of a budget policy statement, I think, and do a couple of key things that have already been flagged. I mean, already this government has tried to make a bit of a virtue of being predictable and doing what they'll say they do and not going too far beyond that. And so what's going on with, with Christopher Luxon not even being in the country with his first mini-budget delivery? He's in Aussie instead. Was that so much more important, being across the ditch? Well, uh, I think they New Zealand wanted to go and catch up with uh, the Australians before Christmas. Mm. You know, from a national New Zealand perspective, that's important. It was the only date that Albanese had. So basically, they'll, they'll spend a few hours in Sydney tomorrow. I mean, you know, budgets are always the Minister of Finance's day. Sure. In an ideal world, it wouldn't have been tomorrow, but, you know. And what will those talks with Anthony Albanese be focusing on? Defence? Uh, yeah, I think there'll be several things. I mean, um, Christopher Luxon at Postcade was at pains to point out that, in his view, one of the key things that New Zealand can do in that relationship and in the region is be a good security partner. So far, it's very early days and it's difficult to tell if there's really going to be much difference between this government and the last one. Mm. To be honest, these things, um, Chris Hipkins did one in Canberra a couple of weeks after he became Prime Minister. It's important that you go over, you meet each other. You have a chat, maybe raise a couple of things that a particular Prime Minister might be interested in and um, lift fight another day, really. The government, of course, has been true to its word already as well and started the big undo, the big policy tree felling. Does anyone know how much this repeal and reverse fest is going to cost? I mean, really, it is how much is this going to change the direction of the country? And um, so far, they've unpicked... Um, uh, a number of things. I mean, the uh, Reserve Bank's mandate is being changed, the clean car discount, which is the subsidy for EVs or the tax for, for petrol and diesel cars. That's being ditched. Government announced there's going to be a review of Kainga Aura because of an alleged palace um, financial situation. Speed limits, all the work around dropping speed limits, that's gone. In fact, more generally, this government is going to change a lot in the transport area because previous government, they had an overarching policy goal of moving people out of cars into other modes of transport, biking, walking, bus, whatever. That is no longer the policy of this government. Some ministries are now starting to be renamed with their English name first, Tadeo name second. So, well, I think we'll see that continue to happen throughout the new year. Staff's political editor, Luke Malpass. So great to chat. Thank you so much for your time. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, I don't think we'll talk again. Thanks. <laughs> Hopefully not. Thanks, thanks for a great year. Coming up in a minute, we're talking about why your impulse chocolate purchase at the supermarket till has long-term consequences. But there is a way to enjoy your chocolate guilt-free. And speaking of guilt-free, Newsable is a calorie-free treat you can enjoy throughout the Christmas break. So make sure you give us a like and a follow so you don't miss any of the festive fun. Now, we have already brought this up again this week, but I, I'm just going to dwell on it a little bit longer because when we spoke to Brad Olson about how much Christmas lunch was going to cost this year compared to last year, Jess came out with this humdinger. How do you feel, though, on day 19, Emma, when you're starting to have ham curries and just, like, ham? I've, I've never had a ham curry either. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, I, I wanted to ask now what your favourite meal was, but I'm not sure I want to ask you with ham curry. You know, you're just trying to use it in everything you've got because it's been there for two weeks. When have you, you ever made a ham curry, Look, it's Jess? it's never happened, but I've... 
I got so concerned about this suggestion from Jess, I called Emily Brooks, Stuff's food editor, to come and give us some actual ways to use leftovers. Emily, so nice to have you here. Kia ora, thank you. First things first, have you ever heard of or made yourself a ham curry? Look, I'll leave it with you. <laughs> oh dear, I'm nervous. I have not. Okay, good. Technically, I suppose you could throw anything you want in a curry, but you know, pork isn't really a traditional food in most of the countries where our curry traditions come from. So mm. I think it's a less traditional curry meat. Let alone an orange glazed ham as well. That's that's <laughs> the thing, right? So what then are some of the best ways to use up your Chrissy ham and Christmas leftovers in general? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different things you can do. And we all know what it's like to get to day four of ham sandwiches and just be like, <laughs> take it away, you know, I I need 12 months before I can look at ham again. Today, Wednesday, I do have an interview going live with Love Food Hate Waste all about this topic. So you can read it in the Waikato Times, the Post or the Press or on the websites for any of those papers. But briefly, the top line is do a little bit of preparation for your leftovers. And that doesn't mean that you need to do extra cooking But it might mean just throwing a few extra things in with your Christmas shopping. So if you have, for example, some pizza bases, then Uh. you have the literal and metaphorical base of a very easy (laughs) meal that will take just about any Christmas leftover you throw at it. Mm -hmm. It's going to take any meat, any cheese that you've got left over, lots of different vegetables, throw them on a pizza base. Stuff like rice pasta I mean fried rice is a great vehicle for leftover ham better than a Mm -hmm. curry if you've got leftover egg yolks from making your pavlova you can scramble those into your fried rice you can throw any vegetables at it pasta's the same it'll take just about anything you could make like a nice kind of light you know Vietnamese style soup you could put your salad greens in that those are a hard thing to use up and especially when it's hot they do go off quite quickly Mm. you can do things like take your root vegetables mash them up make some fritters out of them eat them on the barbecue so it's just thinking a little bit in advance uh, what is going to be on your table this Christmas? So we've stripped it right I'm back. I'm expecting, oh, I was going to say I'm expecting big things, Emily. No, well, partly because of that leftover situation. If you mm. just if you have too much food available all at the same time, it just won't get eaten. So we're doing hot smoked salmon for a Yum. starter. Then we have a beef rib, and we're going to have that with new potatoes straight out of my in-law's vegetable garden. We're going to have the last of the season asparagus. We are a family of asparagus-obsessed people. Yeah. So we'll be having some delicious salads as well and probably some beans also. So that'll be on the adult table. The kids, the little kids, we will not be serving them that stuff because they won't eat it and then it'll just become a big stress. So our kids are having sausages on the barbecue. Nice. Yeah. Because, again, you know, you can, simple. There's, there's, there's no point serving people things that they're not going to like. This, it's supposed to be a fun day. Mm. Don't try to force people to eat things they don't like. And I think when it comes to kids, that's extremely important. Like, sure, sausages on the barbecue are not a particularly festive or special food. Oh, but they scream But you summer. know your kids are going to eat them. They are summer. That's yeah. true. That is also the response I would have if someone put broad beans on the crusty table. That's just my <laughs> personal preference, Emily. I know that Maybe I'll try to make you a broad bean dish. I'm going to see you next month. I'll make you some broad beans. Get me saying broad beans are fun. Emily Brooks, Stuff's food editor. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through that. Thank you. 
think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I what, think Chris, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Emma, after all that cooking chat, we should probably talk about kitchen safety. We recently spoke to ACC about uh, Christmas-related injuries in the kitchen, but today we're taking a look at item insurance claims made during the festive season. Because according to state insurance, cooking disasters soar this time of year. In fact, last year, claims from kitchen mishaps were up 92% on the previous year. Unbelievable. So here to talk to us about how Kiwis are ruining their Christmas and a bid to stop us all right here doing the very same thing is Wayne Tippett from State Insurance. Kia ora, Wayne. Thanks for coming on. Kia ora, Jess. Wayne, so claims were up 92% at the end of 2022 compared to 21. What on earth has happened at the end of last year that saw us ruining so many things? Yeah, so this is just looking at a very short window over this, uh, this Christmas period, but the the data doesn't lie, and what it tells us is that we've really started to struggle a bit in the kitchen uh, this year. Burning turkeys is uh, right at the top of the list. Uh, we've also dropped phones into gravy jugs. I don't know how this one happened, but uh, hearing aids have been microwaved, <laughs> and I think with a bit of distraction, we've uh, left the fridge and freezer slightly ajar, oh. uh, causing leaks and spoilage. So uh, some of us have better Christmas days than others. Sounds like someone wanted new hearing aids, and that's how they ended up in the microwave. Not that we should joke about that, Bit Wayne. Uh, so does state insurance accept claims on burnt, like a burnt turkey is the reason given? I should note this is not sponsored. This is not a state insurance ad. I'm now just very fascinated. Not so much on the uh, on the turkey, but certainly the subsequent <laughs> damage that happens to the kitchen or the oven. So the proximate cause in insurance speak is the burnt turkey, but the damage is to your kitchen, and that's what we're generally seeing being claimed for. And all the claims that we're kind of talking about food-related, people are just pushing themselves too hard in the kitchen to try these new things? I reckon it could be a bit of distraction, to be fair. It's like, who really wants to spend Christmas Day in the kitchen when you've got your friends in whanau? Get it at your place. Uh, and, you know, there's much more important things to be focused on, such as uh, backyard cricket. It's a big favourite at my place, that's for sure. <laughs> what other sorts of things are people claiming around this time of year? Well, if we have a look at what follows after kitchen, some of these perhaps not such a surprise mobile phones right up there, yeah. uh, followed by eyewear and then jewellery. Uh, and that includes jewellery being uh, lost while we're out on the boat or while we're out swimming. So good idea to check your insurance policy now. Just make sure that your jewellery is noted. And if you haven't already, take some good photos of it. With you wearing it, it's a good idea too. And so big jump between 21 and 22. Is there going to be a bigger jump between 23? What are we blaming for that big spike last year, post-COVID? I don't know how post-COVID can really be to blame for people putting their hearing aids in the microwave. We blame COVID for everything else, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's put that one down to a bit of a COVID hangover okay. as well, eh? Yep. So 2023, are you expecting 92% again on top of last year's claims? Who knows? It probably depends on what the weather gods uh, send us. Looking at the forecast, it looks pretty good. So maybe we'll see a little bit more damage from the barbecue rather than the oven this year, but we'll wait and see, eh? Wayne Tippett from State Insurance. What a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Anytime. Merry Christmas. Don't burn your turkey. (laughs) Yeah.
I want to wrap things up today. This is kind of a pun by accident, that was. Like chocolate wrapper, that's where I'm going with this. Yeah, you're good Thank you, yeah, yeah. With a bit of a public service announcement for those who are ethically inclined. Now that I've said that, I hope we're all ethically inclined. Ethically inclined <laughs> is on my LinkedIn profile. Um, an organisation in the UK called Ethical Consumer one would imagine they're ethically inclined, has taken a look-see at Chalky Brands. And let me tell you, the report cards they've come back with are not great. Not great at all. I will note that these are obviously brands that are available in the UK because this is a UK organisation, so there's no Kiwi so mention. So isn't in there is what you're saying. Whitakers is flying safe for now. It's good to point this out because only 17 out of the 82 Chalky companies that Ethical Consumer looked at, so a quarter were found to use suppliers paying cocoa farmers enough to live on. Oh. Can't really dress that one up, can you? 17 out of 82. That's really, really bad. 20%. That's so everyone of these 82 was measured on tax conduct, use of palm oil, deforestation and plastic and packaging. Here's the doozy. Mars, Nestle and the parent company of Cadbury were rated as chocolate brands to avoid. Okay. They got poor scores. Ferrero also rated poorly. So, uh, like those are the those are the big three. Yeah. Tony's Chocoloni was one of the ones that was top rated. I'm partial to a Tony's bar, mind you. Surely they uh, must have got bonus points for their bright packaging as well. I've never had a Tony's bar, and now I will absolutely oh. have to seek one out. So did any of these big browns have something to say? Who have we got there? Mars, Nestle, Cadbury. Those are the big three that you could probably name off the top of your head. Yeah, those are the ones that are everywhere. So a Nestle spokesperson told The Guardian that they thought the assessment didn't reflect the detail they'd provided to ethical consumer or its efforts to make farming cocoa more sustainable. Cadbury didn't respond directly, but instead pointed the Guardian to their sustainability report mm-hmm. on their website. And Mars said its ambition is that 100% of its cocoa is responsibly sourced. Okay, well, this is plenty to think about then, especially, you know, next year for your advent calendar. And there's no point beating ourselves up about it now if you have purchased an advent from the, from the naughty chocolate companies. But plenty of effort here to be made in the future. Also, do better chocolate companies like... Paying people right. a living wage when you're probably making a ton of cash shouldn't be that hard to do. If we're all being ethically inclined, so should the exactly. bakery. Exactly. <laughs> and on that note, let's wrap it up here so we can go and buy some chocolate. I'm Jessica Ethically Inclined McCarthy. And I'm Imogen Wells. Have an ethically inclined day. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.